Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. This week, awesome episode. Uh, my guest is Wayne Slattery, or Slats from King Parrot, as he's more commonly known. Um, I had a chat with Slats at my <clears throat> semi-regular podcast venue, uh, the Commercial Club Hotel, and we had a couple beers and had a chat about... Slats growing up in Warrnambool and moving to Melbourne and playing in bands, um, like Cockfight Shootout and now King Parrot, um, and all those sorts of things that King Parrot are up to and, you know, how they got to where they are today. A lot of hard work and fuckloads of shows. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to have a chat with him. He's not someone I get to see too often, so it was rad just to hang out. But, um, yeah, so this one's really good. Um, quickly before we go... Live podcast next week. This is the last one before the live one. Please come. Tickets are available. Obliviousmaximus.bigcartel.com If you don't want to buy a ticket, that's fine. They're $5 on the door. Me, Callum Preston, Patrick Galvin, Matt Weston, Kane Hibbard, and now Jamie Hay will not only just be playing songs, he'll also be playing with his full band, The Guilt Parade. So Jamie Hay and The Guilt Parade. Come and see us. Talk, then see him play, drink beer, eat food. The reverence is fucking awesome. It's next Thursday, the 17th of December. Get down. Enjoy it. Um, my friend Ben Searle's going to be having a chat, doing a weird little quiz show beforehand too, uh, which will be funny. Um, so come down early for that. Starts at 8 o'clock. Be there. Anyway, for now, enjoy Oblivious Maximus, number 32, with Wayne Slattery from King Parrot. Fucking brutal! Slats, welcome to my podcast. Thanks, Aaron. It's great to be here. This is the third time I've done a podcast in the beer garden of the commercial club. And, uh... I guess it's interesting to note that uh, we're in a little cave, basically. Yes, <laughs> there's no, water on the floor. There's water on the floor. It's a really professional studio. So, so hopefully there's no exposed wires or we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I wore my rubber boots, so yeah. it should be fine. Um, so I start all of them off by asking people how they primarily got into music. What was the first thing that sort of took your interest? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, the first time I even found music outside of like what my mum and dad listened to which was pretty narrow it was ABBA and Slim Dusty yep um, but, <laughs> a good cross section uh, yeah yeah so I grew up in a country town in Victoria called Warrnambool mm-hmm. and um, sadly yeah my uncle passed away that uh, his family were living in uh, Melbourne mm-hmm. uh, he had three sons and um, when he passed away, my auntie moved the family back to Warrnambool, um, and while they were uh, looking to buy a house, the three boys came to stay with us. Yeah. Uh, they were all in their teens, and they, in my I was 10 years old, they, in my eyes, were the coolest motherfuckers yeah. in the world, basically. Yeah, your idols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, one of them literally you know, had the, the army jackets with, like, metal patches uh, wow. on, on the back and stuff, and... Uh, Peter, one of the guys, just uh, started making me tapes. Just going, you got to listen to Judas Priest. You got to listen to Motley yeah. Crue, and basically, he could have 
got me to listen to you know the Wiggles, and I would have thought it was the best metal I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Listened to it in my life. So yeah, it started from there. I basically um, then found you know the local record store and mm-hmm. started uh, begging my mum for you know a tape once a week, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> um, and being on a budget, I really, I never really ever had more than one band's tape because I yeah. always had to buy a new band. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so from there, uh, when I started, well, actually, yeah. My, so my other cousin um, happened to be a drummer, so I started getting drum lessons. But yeah. my parents quickly put the uh, yes stopped that because as <laughs> lots of parents yeah, do because they were fucking annoyed with it. Um, what they didn't realise was buying me a bass amp later <laughs> is just as fucking annoying. <laughs> Of course, it's just as much as a, of a racket. For exactly, them. exactly. So yeah, um, when I started secondary school, um, I just fell in with like uh, I guess a group of uh, people who were into playing music, um, which led to other, like, <laughs> um, parents getting called into school saying he needs to start hanging out with people his own age because they're like you know all the metalheads were always a bit older. Yeah, than yeah, me. for sure. And uh, there's a particular family, the Careys, who basically owned this house. It was actually originally Warrnambool's first hospital so it's yeah, fucking wow. massive would have been enormous yeah. <laughs> huge so basically you know as kids there would be like just people running around this house like mm-hmm. and his parents didn't give a shit they were awesome yeah. but yeah we basically had a jam room and we would just spend hours or yeah every weekend just yeah, fucking around jamming and like what sort of stuff were you listening to at that point like you'd obviously developed a taste then from Judas Priest and all those things yeah well I started with metal definitely from like 10 but then I think uh, yeah any uh, disaffected youth is like sure. looking for every <laughs> subculture so I was big into uh, like um, gangster rap and stuff as well yeah so yeah RST, NWA uh, Ice Cube X-Clan all that mm-hmm. shit um, and but yeah I mean that was probably my own interest but then yeah when I was at this house like it was always metal so like at that yeah. time you know it was uh Cannibal Corpse, um, uh, Morbid Angel, um, but the other awesome thing, and I don't know who, I guess we always had older brothers and stuff as well, mm-hmm. and um, at the time, bands like Damaged and Blood Duster um, yeah. and Christbait and stuff were coming to Warnable and playing gigs, Sure. so uh, we just got our hands on those CDs, so essentially, whilst I did get into all that, like, you know, the overseas stuff, mm. the major stuff that I loved was all local shit like, yeah yeah. well I had, I had a similar thing I mean I know like I sort of came up a little bit later but I had a similar thing where like what I was listening to at home was always from overseas yeah but um, then the things I could go see being from Canberra as well where at the time like international tours had obviously had, in the 90s they went there but it since stopped yeah um, and so I had a similar thing where like I mean I'm sure maybe you do as well, but I had like always just had this, this fucking enormous connection with Blood Duster just because totally. yeah, they yeah. were always in Canberra. Yep. And then, yep. you know, somewhat later found out that, you know, Josh, who's in my band now, that's probably the reason why yeah, yeah, yeah. they were in Canberra all the time. Yeah. Him. <laughs> well, but, I guess I remember them before, even before Josh as well. But, yeah. I mean, the first band that I was in, who were called Gristle, the meat you just can't eat, um, <laughs> we basically. Uh, played all covers um, or a couple of originals but 
all the covers were local bands and because we didn't have enough content there was another guy influenced of mine like Jake Tuck who I played in a band with but mm-hmm. he was big into um, you know Psychos Hard Ons um, sure. all that stuff so he was like why don't you play a Cosmic Psycho song so we ended up we, we would play we played a Christbait song Loose mm-hmm. we played that because it went for 10 minutes and yep. it filled out the set <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't um, need to learn too much yeah else. we played we played a Blood Duster song that I've never seen Blood Duster play um, it's called Hitchhiker's God mm-hmm. um, it was on a compilation disc called The Art of Destroying Madness yeah, which is fucking unreal that, that CD I don't know where it is now mm-hmm. but um, that um, yeah Psychos uh, we'd, ad- we'd play Do Not Spit all very very poorly too <laughs> <laughs> well, as you do <laughs> just totally shit as fuck but yeah like, it was just awesome so yeah, like yeah when I, I'd, I mean but yeah I'd go home and on my walls were uh, posters of Motley Crue because they were my favourite band in the world <laughs> yeah well, there you go that's alright yeah. um, so how long did you live in Warrnambool for like how long were you so there? born and raised and then when I finished high school uh, got into uni um, yep and moved straight to Melbourne basically uh, you know for my parents sake I was going to uni but in my mind I was moving to Melbourne to play music so sure. um, got to Melbourne and so in, in Warrnambool I played in uh, it was Gristle I played uh, in a band called The Stapletons I played in a band called Arnie Jack mm-hmm. um, so there was those things and they were all sort of different styles like then uh, yeah came to Melbourne and I think f- probably for about the first two years we I didn't have a band um, yeah. but I lived with my best friend Keelan um, who uh, was in one of my favourite bands in Warrnambool called Scapegoat mm-hmm. um, and we started a cockfight shootout um, yeah probably about two years in yeah um, and I forget what the question was <laughs> when did you come here but that's oh yeah so when I was 18 so yeah that yeah. was about 98 yeah so I went and studied youth work and stuff at RMIT yeah and so was like coming here then from Warrnambool was it like a big sort of awakening for you music wise or I kind of knew what was, what to expect because um, and I mentioned Keelan like uh, when I was at high school I didn't even know him but I knew he played in a band right. and I think age 15 my mum let me buy a ticket to go see Primus mm-hmm. and I didn't know anybody who was going or how I was going to get there yeah so I looked up, uh, I knew that Keelan Gologly was going. There's only one Gologly in the fucking phone book in Warrnambool. <laughs> so, uh, Not too many of them out there. Yeah, yeah. So I looked him up, rang him, and he said, yeah, he, he and his brother were going. And um, Yeah, so uh, apart from that, like, you know, I went to Big Day Out. Um, I used to come up to Melbourne, you know, came to some kind of corpse. Um, just whatever gigs that I could go to. Had my ticket to Dayside all ages, but it got cancelled by the Catholics. Um, Bugger. It's... Uh, that 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 stage, um, yeah. yeah. So when I got here, when I got here, it was fucking awesome. Because yeah. I moved straight into Collingwood, so I was just down the road from the tote. Yeah. Um, the punters club was still happening. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just started going out to all the, see all the bands that I'd listen to. Yeah, in yeah. My bedroom. And at the time when you were doing that, was it like was that sort of a very you know busy scene and things like that as well? Yeah, was, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was, it was like it was funny like. I think you know I was probably quite shy in a sense like I knew all these people yeah. but didn't talk to them for two years yeah. like, I mean, I'm, well I did get used to get drunk and whenever Blood Duster played I would stand at the front and yell out play Hitchhiker's Guide <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah 
Um, which is one of my favourite things about grindcore is uh, heckling cunts and <laughs> great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was just awesome. Yeah. That sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, sick. And so then when you found yourself, like, sort of, you know, playing here as well, then what was that like, like, comparatively? What was the experience like then of being in a band and playing in Melbourne compared to... Yeah, right. Well, we actually had an amazing scene in Warnable um, in the 90s. Like, yeah. It was fucking awesome. We had this venue called the Salad Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to get in there. <laughs> First band I played in, we used to play gigs there. I was 14. Yeah. Um, and I remember the, the sound guy, because, like, the writer was a slab of beer, mm-hmm. and, like, he saw us, and he's like, you guys are underage. And he's like, oh, you can only have half a slab. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah. All yeah, 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 you can yeah, have a little shit, bit of it. yeah. Um, and like you know, I used to rock up in my school uniform. It was just so lax. At the yeah. Time. Um, but it was fucking awesome fun. Like you know, they they built like this gate across the front of the stage, and like cunts would just hold onto it and you know just mosh. Like <laughs> it was awesome. We like really low roof, so there's still lots of photos of people just hanging off the roof and yeah, going, going sick. Um, so I guess yeah, like, but that being the case, we were probably felt like we were bloody rock stars or something down there sure yeah um and then you come to melbourne and you got to build stuff again yeah um which you know when cockfight shootout started sort of rehearsing and playing before well, before we played any gigs uh i saw stiff meat mm-hmm. um and i took keel into a show one night saying these these are the guys we're going to play with like yeah this is this is a space that you know this is our people sort of thing sure stiff meat was uh in a band, the band it, Matt Young was in that band yep um, so that's when we sort of became friends actually I don't think he liked me at first <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah we sort of all got introduced funnily enough like all those all the Warnable people are now all really great friends of the Sunbury people yeah right, through that um, yeah and I think we played our first show with uh, with Stiff Meat at the Tote mm. um, and a band from Perth called the Three Orange Whips well, I don't think it exists anymore either <laughs> Cockfight still exists, though. There you go. Held out. Mm-hmm. Good job, guys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, I mean, I guess I like hearing about this stuff from Melbourne because I obviously am, like, an, an import to here. And yep. uh, when, when I, you know, first started playing shows here, I, you know, I could see the stark difference between playing here versus playing, I would argue, anywhere else in yeah. Australia. Yeah, it's yeah. like... I mean, and I still feel it exists now that if you, there's, it's just a different feeling. I don't know what it is about playing yep. shows here, but like the pub culture here is different and it's sort of definitely more supportive and encouraging, I think, of yep. bands performing. Question here. for you Would you say you've seen an improvement in Brisbane at least? Yes. I, I think that's a, for sure. Yeah. That's the second best place I would say so to too. play in Australia, yeah. I reckon, like um, Crowbar and stuff. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think. I mean, for me, it was really, and I'm sure it's sort of similar with Warrnambool, like I, being from Canberra, we just went to Sydney all the time, because yeah, it was the yeah. next closest major city or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, and apologies to anyone from Sydney, but I feel like... That, Shitney! Yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely fallen way down my list of like places to play at the moment and yep. that's that's not to blame anyone from there yep. but I think you know that could I mean they don't seem to have such a great hold on venues or anything yeah anymore. that's right that said I mean you know it's always like 
it's always ebbs and flows, I guess, now with age. Like, I remember mm. when the punters closed, it was like, oh, fucking hell, the punters closed. Now, I, people do still get upset when venues close, but I've just realised that shit, something closes, another thing pops up. Yeah. That's Melbourne, definitely. Maybe not so much in Sydney. Um, I have noticed that the broad face stag's getting better. Yeah. Um, I haven't been there in a long time, but... That yeah, we played a show there a, few, a little while ago, and, I mean, it's gotten better in the sense that they also treat people better yeah <laughs> musicians as that's well good. as the crowd yeah so um, that's nice yeah no but I, like I always just I do I mean a lot of people that I've spoken to on this have been from Melbourne obviously being that I do this here yeah but um yeah like it is I do find it really interesting uh, talking about how stuff was here before you know I was a part of it because yep. Um, you know like when I first came here to do things it was at the art house and things like that yep. and it was fantastic yep. and I remember when I first started doing that I really felt like oh this is this is the place that you go to if you want things to do Fuck well yeah. and the art house <laughs> was amazing I played my first show there came yeah. up from Waterloo when I was 16 in a band called Project Artichoke I was a singer <laughs> very good yeah and fuck man yeah, that was the best I yeah. was 16 and I had the best night yeah no it was just like an amazing thing and it, I think it's one of those things that I think um there is something a little bit different. Um, I feel like there's kind of a thing here where maybe bands have to try and sort of even work a bit harder because there's so much happening here. Whereas I think in other places you've got to work harder because there's not much at all. So you have to push it, to be yes. the one thing. It's interesting, yeah, how, how that actually works. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard both ways. But I think p- people probably approach it maybe... <laughs> in a more relaxed fashion here once you've been doing it for a while because yeah. you know that there's people out there and they want to see it mm-hmm. but yeah like if you haven't but yeah because you've got the tote or you've got you know um, venue XYZ yeah yeah um, in Sydney it's like trying to convince people to go outside of their comfort zone I mean yeah people, yeah people just go to the tote you know yeah like, um, yeah go, people will just go there to drink and yeah, do like, things I've seen heaps of gigs like Bands that I love, but I didn't. I don't pay attention to who's playing, and I just happen to be at the tote. I'm like, fucking sweet, Captain Cleanoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, from uh, you know, sort of starting those initial bands and stuff here. Like, how did things roll along for you then in Melbourne? Was that just you sort of slug along with it here? Well, cockfight shootout. Um, we we played a lot through um, the early two thousands. Um, we you know we got put out. Uh, two EPs and an album mm-hmm. we got a little bit of Triple J rotation and that sure. sort of shit we travelled um, around Australia um, so we were doing alright we were playing I looked at my diaries the other day we were playing every single weekend yeah. and most of that just in Melbourne so yeah, we were yeah. just running around playing yeah, Cherry Bar playing Toe playing uh, Espy yeah. um, Ding Dong Lounge wherever mm-hmm. um, and it was a cool scene like yeah. it was great like yeah there was Stiff Meat Pillow um, we played blood, shows of Blood Duster, but as well, the bands coming through like Rollerball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we were really busy for quite a long time. Um, Keel and I lived together, so and we didn't do fuck all else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Shock Records in the warehouse with Youngie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we just played gigs, just played music constantly. Yeah, yeah. So it was great. It was yeah. That's and then, as we were talking about before, uh, life gets in the way, and uh, yeah. people change their focus and that sort of shit. Yeah. Mm. And so, was that a realization that happened for you then as well, or was Just, that uh, you never really? It's no, never an immediate realization. It kind of all happens pretty slowly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember uh, Richard Onya 
uh, I used to sell pot at my house in Northcote and <laughs> Richard Onye coming over one day and we were smoking bongs in the bong shed at the back. Yeah. And, you know, cockfight shit out the plant, doing whatever. And the Onyes have been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, I still clearly remember just like, you know, just fucking do as much as you can there, man, because before you know it, like, someone will have a kid, someone will be doing <laughs> something else. Yeah, yeah. And, like, at the time, I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. That'll never happen to us. Yeah, just giving me 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, of course it does happen. Um, but, yeah, I guess um, at that point when Cockfight was sort of easing off a bit, like, I mean, there was plenty of things going on, like, you know, alcohol, drug issues, that sort of shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, at that point, yeah, like, uh, Youngy contacted me because Youngy lived on my couch for ages. Yeah. Um, and he was rehearsing with, Ari in this new band I'd never never essentially well I hadn't played in a metal band since I was in Warnable yeah right um and he asked if he wanted to come over jam um and that's probably what going five or six years back now mm-hmm. um and I was like that would be great because it I've always found it just a really good challenge to play metal sure um and uh, yeah, so I started rehearsing with that at the time. That was uh, Ari Youngy uh, and Rizzo, mm-hmm. um, who's from Bloodduster as well, um, which was fucking awesome because I love Rizzo. He's yeah, an yeah. amazing fucking drummer. Yeah, um, he's fantastic. And uh, yeah, like went from there. Like you know, um, we yeah just rehearsed nonstop and played our first it show. Became a band. Played our first show at the Greyhound Hotel, and it was fucking terrible. <laughs> Ari broke a string, didn't have a spare guitar. Young and I proceeded to uh, do a comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> so a good way to start things off. So, so that's kind of been inherent since the start of King Parrot. <laughs> if anything goes wrong, it's always just a comedy yeah, show. just fucking talk shit. Um, and then, so, I guess from there, like, what was the first sort of, uh, like, movements for King Parrot then, I guess? Was it just, like, the idea to just, you know, play as much as you could in Melbourne? Or, um, like, what was it? Yeah, I guess, like, uh, you know... Um, look, it's all, you know, Ari it was Ari and Rizzo played in another band called Watchdog Discipline, mm-hmm. um, but that he hadn't played a lot before. Um, Youngie and I played, you know, obviously fucking shitloads of gigs. Yeah, um, as Rizzo had as well. Um, so yeah, I guess it just sort of started organically, like the natural progression. You write songs, you rehearse songs, and you, you organise a gig. Yeah, yeah. Um, we recorded our EP, The Stench of Hardcore Pub Trash. Uh, with uh, James Rose, who was in Stiff Meat as well with Youngie. Mm-hmm. And he'd built his own studio out of his place. Yeah. So yeah, we did that, um, got them printed, and um, I guess it just slowly sort of happened. And then I guess Youngie's always just had an immense drive, especially, you know, um, he gave up uh, drugs and alcohol um, and probably focused his energy mm-hmm. um, really into the, the, the business side. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and at that point, I guess, uh, at that point, you know, we we had uh, another guy, Eddie, playing guitar, um, and yeah, things change, whatever, like, Eddie had just uh, completed uh, his uh, degree or whatever to become a lawyer, mm-hmm. and he had that going on, um, and the rest of us were sort of keen to push a bit harder. Yeah. Um, and that was the case, and we were starting to play shows. Um, when Eddie left, Squiz... Uh, Squiz saw us play a show at the Tote, and I think it must have been Eddie's last show, and Squiz got wasted and then was ringing, me, ringing all of us all the next day from a bathtub um, somewhere <laughs> uh, somewhere in fucking Preston. Yeah. So, oh, I'm fucking playing your band, man. Like, so Squiz 
and I was like, yeah, definitely. Like, because Squeeze actually played in a band called Fridge. Well, Squeeze is like the underlord of rock and roll. He's um, played in shitloads of bands from Spazzies to Tumbleweed to, you know, um, the Gospel of Horns, whatever. There's a shitload yeah, right. of bands that he's played in. He played in a band called Fridge. Um, I did see him once, um, but I had their CDs when I lived in Warrnambool, and he actually taught me how to play bass, essentially. Like, I would sit there yeah. and learn his bass lines. Um, yeah, sick. So yeah, to have him <laughs> coming full circle then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he'd never he's he never played uh, guitar um, in a band before. Yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, he was into it, and um, so he joined. Um, Rizzo uh, left, um, and our first sort of major thing. I'm not sure. I, my memory isn't that great, but like. So that was all happening, and we were sort of all pushing forward. And then Ari, who basically is the nucleus of the band, mm-hmm. rocked in their rehearsal one day and said, "I've been offered a job working out in a fucking boat uh, yeah. offshore, um, and I need to do it." Uh, I'm really sorry, mm. but I need to do it. And um, again, Youngie's drive—he was like, "You know, what are you fucking doing that for?" Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was more like, okay, I understand, because we've all got to work to live and shit. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we didn't give up, and he already never left the band, so we just started playing without him, basically. Yeah. Um, so there was a little a short time there um, where he was working offshore, and we were playing by uh, as a four-piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, he eventually gave that the arse. It wasn't for him. Um, yeah. And then I think the first major thing, you know, outside of Australia was we went to Indonesia. Um, uh, and, yeah, just, like, at that point, I think, you know, it was really starting to become something that's like, okay, we've all got to focus on it. Yeah. Everything else comes second. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. And was that, like, was that a realisation that was hard to come to for the other guys then, or was it sort of just the push? I know it was really hard for me. Yeah. Um, because I was raised to get a job and yeah, yeah. don't fuck around so yeah. <laughs> it's great having your little music thing slats but uh, yeah <coughs> get a fucking get a fucking job yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean even again like it's all sort of hazy in my mind but obviously by this point we um, in the interim um, we had a fill-in drummer um, for a while there mm-hmm. and then Rizzo oh, sorry uh Matt Skitz joined, which yeah. again was another fucking amazing thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, he was my hero as well. Like, I mean, Damage probably. I mean, I love Bloodduster, but Damage, yeah, just were fucking brutal. They didn't have any comedy about them. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. So he joined, um, and uh, at that point, Youngie was organising. By this stage, we'd uh, signed a deal with Candlelight Records, mm-hmm. and. Um, we were organising a tour in America. Now, <laughs> at the time, Youngie was going, yep, we're going for four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can we just go for two weeks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be really hard to tell my boss that I need to go for fucking four weeks. Yeah. But, um, I, actually, I think it might have even been six weeks originally. Yeah. So, you know... A big ask. Yeah, well, everyone, everyone had their own issues. Like, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Skits and uh, Squizzy uh, have kids. Yeah. Um, and they were concerned about that. Yeah. Um, and yeah it was really tough and was stressful but um, we ended up going for I think pretty much about six weeks yeah wow um, and 
fucking thank God. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely, it was, you know, we went there and we basically headlined our own shows mm. um, with uh, Vatnet Viscara and Vaporizer, who are fucking awesome bands. But like, yeah, no one knew who the fuck we were. So yeah. most, most nights, we did, I think we did something like, what was it? Maybe, oh, fuck. Could it have been... 35 shows in 39 days or yeah, crazy. Something, something like that um, and yeah a lot of that was to play to no one basically Yeah, but um, it was just worth it and it's always been a cool thing because Young is so focused um, on the band and wanting to make it work and he has made it work I guess uh, is just conquering our own personal fears as well yeah 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 which well I think that's a big thing too and I, I mean I think another thing another credit to that is I mean you I suppose you could do a tour in Australia that is 35 shows in a row but it'd be like yeah. where, where are you going who That's are you it. playing to and by that <laughs> stage we'd sort of done we'd, we'd, we we toured hard in Australia and you know, yeah. um, and still do like, yeah but yeah you can only do so much it's just, yeah. it's just the subculture doesn't exist and also the population doesn't exist to do it no that's yeah. right but I, and I think like I mean it was certainly a Realization. I mean, the biggest thing about going and doing a tour overseas for like I exist was that like I was like, oh, I can put up with these guys yeah. for oh. you know thirty days in a row. Yep. And you know we had arguments, and there was you know like everyone would if you Absolutely. sit in a car with someone for a month. Yep. And but, you dr- and you drink and yes, shit, and constantly. you've got hangovers and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know it, that was kind of a big thing for me. Was like, oh you know some people like this that's good mm. but also I can put up with these people and yeah. I want to keep doing it with yeah, them exactly. like, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah totally I mean because like there's shit loads of people uh, I think shit loads of bands who are happy to stay in Melbourne or whatever and that's fine good on and but you realise just how mm. full on it is and it's not for everyone not everyone can do it I mean yeah. even like Skits uh, after we did those that tour he was like I'm sorry guys but you know um, it's it's too much yeah you know um, and full credit to him he stepped away at that point like mm-hmm. but um yeah like it's fucking not easy like you could eat like so many bands must break up after their first tour and like we realised as well it's like you know you can't just go to America once a year yeah you've got to keep going back as much as you can yeah yeah because it's fucking huge and yeah and you've got to keep building yeah. yeah so yeah I mean like you say I mean you're living on top of each other you've got to be able to the uh, main thing for me is be able to laugh and never get pissed off at farts it's yeah. the most important thing I reckon because <laughs> it occurs constantly it's, well with that, yeah far out <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the, the constant call in our car is just windows windows <laughs> um so I guess like from there things I mean I think from from early on and I mean I guess this touches on what you talked about before I think a, as an outsider I don't know what, what the vibe was within the band but I think a big thing for King Parrot was like the music videos were like a, yep. a huge thing yep. and so did they play a good role then when you started going overseas absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah for sure I mean the two things happened at the same time is that we were actually building our show as well which I think we actually do a performance sure yeah. Um, and uh, then we did the the shit on the liver film clip, and that fucking you know was ridiculous. I was actually in South Africa on holidays. Yeah, wow. Um, on Safari when it got like <laughs> uh, like released on YouTube or whatever, and we went. My, my sister and I went past like a fucking um, 
a tower once a day that actually had phone coverage and mm-hmm. my sister was like how many views do you think it's got I'm like I don't know maybe another 500 or something yeah she's like yeah no another 10, 15,000 like, it was just every fucking day yeah so that was great so obviously um, that helped us I was getting the notice of record labels and stuff mm-hmm. um, and uh, touring agents um, all that shit so yeah it helped our profile heaps yeah and so was that inherently then a thing that you felt like you needed to hold up to then nah it was more something that we really enjoyed doing yeah sure you know like that day I still remember as one of the fucking coolest days I've ever had yeah (laughs) it just I mean pure fluke but we all rocked up um you know I think we had to be there at seven. I got there at eight. Yeah, I'm a cunt. Yeah, but uh, like, <laughs> just everyone was in a really, really good mood. And yeah, like, you know, um, sun was shining much as it is today. And yes, like, but yeah, everyone was just fucking happy. You know, it was it was great. And I mean, that that one was just based on a very loose idea around with Youngie and I like to. Iggy Azalea um, mm-hmm. film clip it, has, yeah. it looks nothing like it at all but <laughs> that was what we sort of that was the starting point yeah it was yeah yeah and um, I mean you know it was all unscripted it was all just us fucking around so mm. and Dan Farmer who we uh, has done pretty much all our film clips except for Like a Rat when we're in the States mm-hmm. uh, he's just half the time I don't know what the fuck he's doing but then he just goes away to his little editing suite and Makes um, it look good. Makes it look good. So, yeah, yeah like, that was that was done. I mean, that day, it was a fucking long day, and we were drinking all day, and then we got in the car and drove to Ballarat and played a show that night. Yeah. And then I think the next day we played at uh, Cherry Rock Festival or Cherry Fest or something. Yeah. And Dan had gone home that night and, edit, like, done a rough edit. Mm-hmm. I remember him showing it to me on, on his phone, and, like, I was fucking on my knees just laughing, just going, <laughs> this is fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick. So, yeah, after that, yeah, like, I mean... I've never been a fan of the fucking generic, uh, and we've done it, like, but the film clip in the warehouse, uh, you know, everybody's playing instruments. It's just fucking boring. Yeah, right? it's not exciting to watch. And I think in this day and age, because, you know, you've got you've to try and, like, you know, Facebook, social media, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think videos are fucking really important. Like, yeah, I think so too. To actually engage your fan base or, you know, build, like, people's knowledge about you. Right? Yeah, yeah, And that sure. one... That one, because it because we've been able to deliver our unique humour mm-hmm. via the video clips, yeah. that people who don't even fucking like metal um, have seen them. Have, have seen yeah, them, yeah, you know, for sure. Like, and friend, like people who are metalheads, going, no, 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 I know you don't like it, but just just watch, just watch this. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people I've seen is like, yeah, don't like you know. I don't like metal, but I, I watched it and I ended up watching it till the end. <laughs> yeah, that's small, I got through it. Small victories. Like, yeah, I was a bit, the first bit was funny and then I actually ended up listening to the music as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll never do it again, but... <laughs> you got me that one mm-hmm. time. Um, so, like, I guess from there, like, obviously going overseas that first time and stuff, things sort of, as again, as an outsider, appeared to start building, like, quite quickly for you guys yep. over there. Yep, Um you know, and then turning in, rolling through to, uh, you know, building this relationship with Phil Anselmo and stuff like that. Yeah, so again, all testament to Youngie's work. Like, uh, he started a great relationship with uh, Tone Deaf Touring, who mm-hmm. based in the States. Um, great guy. Uh, it was only ever a handshake deal in terms of um, working with him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously he helped us with our first tour. Uh, like I said, actually, when we filmed that film clip, I think it was the, that cherry rock or cherry fest or whatever the next day that i hate god played as well yeah we played that too yeah yeah so um that day they watched it. i remember looking over and like 
Jimmy Bauer and Mike Nine and that were like mm. side stage watching us. Yeah, which yeah. Was pretty fucking awesome. And then <coughs> Youngy loaded them up with, um, you know, records or whatever. And Mike Nine lived on lives on Phil's property mm-hmm. above his stere- above his studio. He took them back, took that back, and said, "Listen to these guys." And they, <laughs> Kate and Phil still deny this, but Kate definitely told me. <laughs> Youngy had already sent like a package to them and they like you know they get sent shit loads yeah. of stuff all the time they obviously were, yeah Kate remembers saying it and going King Parrot what a fucking shit name like, <laughs> <laughs> it's that, that you wouldn't even open it so yeah like, yeah exactly but yeah Mike came back and um, you know told him to listen to it and then uh, I don't know it must have been oh, I, yeah timelines don't know but then we got an email into the King Parrot email account from Phil Anselmo yeah and Youngie thought it was just someone taking a piss mm. but, you know but yeah, at that point, um, we got added to the Melbourne Soundwave. Um, Down happened to be playing. We happened to be playing kind of same stage after them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was fucking surreal though. Like, um, I was working my office job uh, yeah. that day. Got out of my suit, went to the fucking Soundwave, and then <laughs> Down are on stage, and Kate comes up to me and goes, you're in King Parrot. You're playing the last song with Down. And I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> so yeah, that was amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so was that? Did that relationship then just sort of roll on from there? Was so it could, yeah, it could have. It could have really just finished there. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, uh, I guess, uh, serendipitous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, that that tour, that first tour of the states that we did, um, we uh, played had a show in Baton Rouge, which is about an hour away from um, Phil and Kate's house. Yep. Um, and Youngie again had just kept in contact with him. Phil's actually great on the email. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, that, like he doesn't have a mobile phone he doesn't he's not on Facebook but mm. he likes sending emails to people yeah so yeah him and Youngie would banter or whatever and yeah so the night you know we didn't know they were going to come but last minute Kate said yep we're coming and Phil had been drinking like Long Island iced teas all day rocked up shit faced and was like just throwing people around up the front going <laughs> sick and um you know it wasn't organised but at that point they invited us to go and stay at their place afterwards yeah and, um, which we did I think we 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 were playing in New Orleans the next day and we should have been there heaps early but it was like oh, I don't want to leave yet yeah. <laughs> sitting on you can't, you can't pass that opportunity sitting on the yet. fucking veranda like Phil's veranda like, in a rocking chair listening to him talk about Pantera days is fucking unbelievable yeah yeah um, yeah so from there then again it's just sort of starting to build a friendship and um, then the conversation around you know Phil potentially producing the album mm-hmm. and then I think that then led into the um, you know signing with uh, yeah his record level yeah. yeah, so I mean, as part of that, we had to, you know, obviously reorganise things, deals that we were already involved in, and that sort of shit. But yeah, we got through it. Yeah, that's all right. Hmm. And then, so like, what's what's plans on going then for King Parrot now? Like, obviously, it's well, mate, kicked off pretty well. Over we, there we've just become Aria nominated yeah, uh, well, artists, so I, I pretty much I, fuck all from here on in. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> you went to a red carpet event. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah, know, I'm just gonna sit back and just count my cash. <laughs> really watch it roll in um no so we've uh i guess it's just more and more we've we've, so we brought out uh dead set this year Mm -hmm. um and that was one of the coolest things ever to do the whole process yeah um so i know you're interested but yeah like so so when we were so we went to the states what 2014 i think what three or four times or Mm -hmm. that um, and we were offered to play at Phil's festival, the Housecore Records Festival. Mm-hmm. 
uh, House Call Horror Fest. Um, but we had no gigs in between where we finished up whatever tour it was in that tour and a friend of ours who we'd met first time we went over um, said you guys can just come and stay at my parents place they live on a farm like yeah yeah and Youngy again didn't forget and basically ran up and said you fucking said <laughs> so what we ended up doing you owe was, us now <laughs> yeah yeah so, so what we ended up doing was um, spending a month in Vermont um, and it was the first time ever where it, music was actually a job like yeah. not, but not a job it was actually just this is what we do mm-hmm. like so yeah we spent a month we met um, uh, this guy's uh, parents who became our American family now they sure. always come to our they always come to our shows now uh, mm-hmm. when we're in the area and they wear like these huge fucking earmuffs <laughs> and shit it's fucking hilarious yeah. Um, but yeah so every day we would uh, you know get up we were staying at Graham's place we'd get up in the morning and we'd drive out to the farm and uh, all that stuff was set up so yeah, pretty much uh, you know eleven till four, we'd write every day yeah, five wow. days a week, mm-hmm. and it was fucking great. Yeah, that's um, sick. So that was amazing. Like you know, usually, the history of writing press process for me was, you know, you do it after work. Yeah, you, you know, in a yeah, jam room exactly. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we did that, and then uh, obviously yeah, Phil produced it. So yeah, now where we're at um, to get back to your question. Yep, that's all right. Um, we have two more shows in Australia last one being uh, New Year's Eve in Brisbane yep um, two days before that we're going to Bribey Island mm-hmm. um, and we're just going to have riding um, cool going to Brisbane play that show um, and then go back and have another week riding mm-hmm. we've in the meantime we've actually got a, a bunch of songs so uh, the aim is to I guess um, find some time and record that not sure where or what yeah that will be but uh, we're uh we leave for Europe um, with Soulfly at the end of January. Sick. For a month. Yeah. Um, the aim, we'll definitely do North America again uh, in 2016, mm-hmm. at least once. Um, we really want to focus on Europe though as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously we've... You've been to America a lot. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, yeah. we don't want to lose that momentum because yeah. it, every time we go back, it gets better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tours we get offered are better and better. Yeah. I mean, the last one we did with Cattle Decapitation was fucking unreal because, I mean, you know them, they've been doing it for 20 yeah, years, and ages. this latest album has sort of been their breakthrough yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I think that uh, wherever we're at, and definitely where they're at, it actually was quite complimentary. Sure. Um, so, you know, um, we hope, I'd like to think we helped each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, more touring. Just fucking hates more touring. Yeah, yeah. Much. And That's then, cool. yeah. And then trying to survive as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> around Yeah, that. yeah, the fun bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Mm. Um, do you have anything you would like to spruik to the internet populace that might listen to this? Um, just buy our shit, yeah. please. <laughs> because uh, it, it's real good shit. Um, and it helps us do stuff <laughs> helps mm. you get to Europe yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no, no no thanks thanks everyone who might be listening that is a King Parrot supporter really fucking appreciate it obviously I'll never tell you that at a gig I'll call you a fuckwit but um that's part of the that's, that's part, part of, of the show that's, that's part of that part performance of we were yeah, talking exactly, about exactly <laughs> exactly yeah cool well thank you for doing this with me mate cheers thank awesome. you very much